15th of December, Christmas is coming. Is Santa going to be good to us? Who knows? Let's find out what Piers Cunningham is thinking about. Piers, you're our intrepid COVID-19 reporter. What's the news? How are we travelling? I noticed 25 new cases of Omicron in New South Wales as we come to air. Ominous or what? Good morning. Good morning, Brendan. I'd say a little bit ominous. Uh, the numbers for Victoria and New South Wales... 1,405 new cases recorded for Victoria. New South Wales, a really big jump there over what they've been enjoying, sort of down in the triple figures, well down at below 500, around 300 since they opened up per day. Uh, they've had a jump to 1,360. Uh, and that actually is happening even though there are plans to further ease restrictions in that state of New South Wales. It's coming back to Victoria, sadly three deaths, and we are now sitting on a weekly average of about 1,185 new cases since early November. So, yeah, it's a bit of a concern. And certainly the concern, it does centre around Omicron, which is this new variant come out of South Africa, seems to have spread all around the world very, very quickly. And a bit more information coming out of South Africa and medical authorities over there making some some conclusions or some, some conclusions as far as their data for South Africa is concerned. They're now saying that the Omicron variant is definitely more infectious and has displaced Delta as the main variant infecting people. In terms of data of what they're finding out about Omicron, definitely a higher reinfection. So if you've already had it, your chance of getting reinfected is greater. So your immunity from earlier infections seems to be less important to Omicron and also breakthrough infections where it can get through the protection conferred by vaccines. Lower severity is the good news. That seems to be a, a consistent theme, not just from South Africa, but around the world. It seems that lower severity, but the concern is that because it's, it's so much more infectious, the health systems could still be overrun given the very rapid community spread of Omicron. The symptoms are similar to other variants, scratchy throat, blocked nose, aches and pains and fever, but these seem to resolve quickly with recovery after three days. Mm. And, and then just on the subject of the effectiveness, specifically Pfizer's been looked at by doctors and medical authorities in South Africa. It was 93% effective in preventing hospitalisation, but now it's 70% effective with Omicron. So vaccines are still beneficial, but boosters would seem to be more urgently required. Indeed. So and, that's and, what, that's and just what... to finish that, the, yep. the other thing that they've said, which I think is pretty important and significant and should be remembered by everyone, is that other measures against the virus, against Omicron, like social distancing and masks and hand washing, that kind of thing, are more important than ever. Wow. Well, obviously, it's causing a few problems, as we were saying, as we come to where 25 new cases in New South Wales just announced. The Chinese also announcing that they've seen their first case, which is very interesting. If there's one case in China, I'm sure there's going to be heaps over there. Boris Johnson looking increasingly frazzled in the UK as Omicron really starts to make a little bit of a move into the UK. So it looks like it's got a little ways to travel and looks like it could be a very interesting Christmas for a number of us in certain parts of the world, including perhaps here in Australia.
the rollout of the third vaccine, how are we travelling there, peers, and is it going to basically insulate us against any of the numbers that we're seeing overseas at the moment? Well, look, fortunately, I mean, in some ways, fortunately, it meant that we went, we had a lockdown for longer this year than perhaps we would have had if we'd been vaccinated earlier. But the fact that we've been vaccinated sort of more recently and we've got a very high vaccination level is, is a good protector even against Omicron. It's going to keep uh, most people from developing bad symptoms. And as I said, the severity of the disease seems to be less than Delta. But at the moment, the only people who are getting a, a booster are people who are sort of being invited to have one. You can't just go and say, I want to have one because I feel I'm, I'm more vulnerable because of Omicron. You've actually got to uh, be due for one. And that generally means six months since your second dose of a vaccine, either Pfizer or, or, or um AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca, exactly. So uh, so it's only the elderly and, and uh, people who are sort of frontline health workers who are generally being asked to do that at the moment. Now, maybe they'll bring that forward in response to Omicron and make it uh, shorter than, than uh, six months. But at the moment, that's their plan. If you had uh, AstraZeneca, then it's uh, recommended that you actually have Pfizer. Uh, but, you know, there's, as we've said, there's, there's a little bit of conflicting information about the durability and how quickly um, different vaccines wane. Uh, so that'll be something that'll be interesting to consider. But it does seem the mRNA technology vaccines are the ones that are being favoured. And it's actually been announced recently that Moderna is going to uh, build a factory to make uh, mRNA vaccines in Melbourne. Which is interesting because I see that they've that, that means that they've oversighted CSL and I thought CSL was all over that. That's a very interesting development in the last couple of days, Piers. Mm. Well, CSL have still got the AstraZeneca production and as I said, I mean, I think that there's still a little bit of vagueness about which is exactly the right one to have. Perhaps we'll hear more about uh, what, what they're going to do with uh, with that oversupply suddenly of AstraZeneca. I mean, hopefully some of it's being sent overseas. I'm sure some of it is because it's still quite a good vaccine. It just seems that, uh, that uh, the mRNA technolo- technology vaccines seem to be the, the sort of flavour of the, mo- the month. And it's been you know, touted as a, a great thing for uh, Victoria and Australia that that, that uh, Moderna facility is going to be set up in Australia. But it won't actually be producing any usable vaccines, I think, until 2024, is when they come online. And Pfizer, meantime, in the US, reckons that it's got its antiviral pill ready to rock and roll. Apparently you take it given within three or five days of symptoms, looks like it reduces risk of hospitalisation by about 89%. So maybe this is going to be a bit of a game changer from Pfizer as well. Exactly, and it's easier to, to uh, deliver that, isn't it? You don't have to worry about keeping the, the vaccine at, uh, at, at below 70 Celsius, which is the case with the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, one. So there's an advantage there. And uh, I suppose less less likelihood of sort of general hesitancy against having it. Easier to pop a pill than it is to have a jab in your arm. So, uh, so that, that uh, will be interesting to see how that goes. There's, there's also a Merck pill, another pharmaceutical company that's uh, that's developed a pill, and uh, that is still being weighed by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. That's for people who are at high risk of severe disease. So uh, there's another pill option there which is uh, being considered by 
health authorities in the US for wider distribution. Yeah, but it might have a little ways to travel, that one, because it looks yeah. like it could be affecting human DNA and there's implications on that one, I think, uh, in yeah. pregnant women. So they might, might have a ways to go, that one. But all this of ha- happening in the USA. Now, Piers, you've uncovered some extraordinary stories about how in the last two years the pandemic and COVID has affected Americans. I mean, some of the stats coming out of there, particularly older Americans, is troubling. What have you discovered? Well, look, I mean, it's just it's a concern that there's so many deaths in America. In fact, they have officially announced they've passed 800,000 deaths since the pandemic began, and they're sitting on... Very sadly, a uh, weekly death toll of, uh, I think the last week that was completed week was uh, almost 9,000 deaths. Wow. And uh, that's a 10%, not nearly a 10% increase on the week before. So the seasonal illness, it seems to be worse in winter. They're heading into winter in the States and the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, unfortunately, their death toll is rising. So they've had a pretty terrible pandemic. Unfortunately, they're only 50% vaccinated as a, as a nation. And uh, there's still quite a lot of... Um, misinformation and, and um, vaccine hesitancy over there. So it seems that, they're stuck, that, that, that low figure is, is sort of, seems like it's going to stay that way. I, I'm not confident that they'll um, significantly increase their, their vaccine rate. But I believe that there is uh, increasing anger from the vaccinated in America against the unvaccinated. They're just saying it's a, it's, a, you know, it's a health hazard to everyone that there's so many people unvaccinated. Staggering numbers. I can't believe it. USA, you know, 50% double vaxxed. Just can't believe that. And total death count now, as you say, one in 100 older Americans over 60 has now died from COVID-19. Staggering figures. And also the interesting thing, I saw some stats this week, New York only 71% double vaccinated. Again, I would have thought that really after what New York went through, they would have been rolling this stuff out. No, it's amazing, and yet they're one of the highest vaccinated places in the whole of America, so they're considered pretty good at, uh, at, at embracing the benefits of vaccination. You do, if you uh, if you want to do things, you are required to to show that you've got proof of at least one dose of uh, a vaccination if you want to eat indoors at a restaurant or if you want to see a movie. And now masks are going to be required uh, unless full vaccination is mandated in those or all other indoor public area, public places, including offices, stores and residential building lobbies. So they are you know, responding in a pretty concerted way to try to limit what happened this winter, this flu season in uh, the Big Apple. And indeed, and you're a little bit of a technology buff, uh, Pierce, and I, I know you're interested in this story that's coming out of Seoul, Bouchon, which is a, an outskirt of Seoul, the big capital there. They're using modern technology, digital face recognition technology, to try and monitor people uh, and their COVID spread. Yeah, well, that's right. And it's always been possible to do this. I mean, there's a lot of data that's collected by big uh, tech companies like Apple and Google and Facebook and Amazon and, and others. And if it wasn't for privacy concerns, I mean, the information, if you linked in all that phone information, that location services data that's stored on everyone's phone and is accessed by those big tech companies for marketing purposes and, and other things, then then you could actually have very fast contact tracing. And as soon as a case is reported or is picked up by a test, uh, then, then potentially that information could be, you know, in, almost in real time, because that's the, the big limit of contact tracing is the delay in actually getting, you know, tracking the person who's got the disease. So by the time the, the authorities have sent you the text message saying you've got to isolate, you've been exposed, or you, 
uh, then uh, you know that you've often had contact with other people and that the horse has already bolted. So technology can have a bigger role than it plays at the moment. But in the West, in particular, there are pretty significant privacy considerations that go against that. Uh, but in countries like uh, South Korea, uh, they're, they're they're doing well. And I think in Taiwan, they used uh, you know phone-based apps to track people and have very fast contact tracing. And I think in China. Uh, whether you like it or not, I think your, your phone is, um, is sharing all sorts of information about you with the authorities, and uh, that's one of the tools that they've had in their arsenal to uh, quite successfully contain the spread of the virus during the course of the pandemic. Yeah, well, that's the phones. I wonder how we here in Australia would take to a government um, initiative to roll out surveillance cameras to monitor and track us if we had the coronavirus, and that's what the Koreans are doing in Bouchon. I mean, yeah. really, I mean, they've using surveillance cameras, 10,000 of them, to track coronavirus infection rates. It's amazing. And I think the Russians are doing the same in Moscow as well. Yeah, that's right. And I think in China there's something like, I mean, there's, there's at least one camera per head of population, uh, CCTV camera in operation per head. So that's over 1.4 billion cameras uh, that uh, use facial recognition technology and feed all that information into their... Apart from just you know tracking people with COVID, also their social credit system, which is a way that they uh, can um, can keep an eye on their population and, and penalise them if they step out of line with uh, with party directives. Well, uh, here's a little tidbit for you as we bid you farewell. I was up in Wuhan, Piers. I'm not sure whether you know on October, November 2019, and uh, yes, you could definitely see a lot of uh, technology. Uh, monitoring what we were doing up there at that time. Fabulous city on the Yangtze River. And uh, coincidentally, just as that virus was jumping out of the wok, I happened to be up in beautiful Wuhan, a fabulous city. Uh, wonderful welcome from our Chinese brothers and sisters. But it just seems incredulous to me. Uh, it's my big uh, dine-out story that uh, I was there at the same time that uh, something was going on in Wuhan. And that was the time when they had the... It was like a military games or something up there, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely right. The world military. There was about 7,500 of them in Wuhan about three weeks before all this happened. Amazing stuff, isn't it? Sort of plenty of fuel for, for conspiracy theories in that one. You can take that as you want, uh, Piers Cunningham. We love your work, Piers. Thank you so much indeed for your contribution throughout uh, 2021. This is where I say farewell to you from Peninsula Talks for this year. And wish you and your family well across the Christmas New Year period. And uh, hopefully we can invite you back and perhaps with some better, uh, lighter stories perhaps in 2022. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's, let's hope so. I, I, I sincerely hope so. Brendan, it's been great doing this with you. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And we'll, we'll see you on the other side. Love your work. Thanks very much indeed. Piers Cunningham, our special COVID-19 reporter, signing off. 